No one likes to feel stuck, especially by your cloud. But the IBM cloud is the most open and secure public cloud for business. It can manage all your apps and data anywhere. Smart loves problems. IBM, let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash flexible. I like it. I'm Tony Kornheiser. Are you paying them? Money has exchanged hands. Because I would point out to you <laughs> that we have two Emmys sitting up here. Right you did that table. without me? We Yeah, with two Emmys on the table. One is to Mr. Michael Wilbon and Mr. Tony Kornheiser. And the other one is to Mr. Michael Wilbon and Mr. Tony Kornheiser. The name Frank Isola, I, I haven't seen I it. have a New York sports Emmy. Okay, that's you. great. That's, you know what? Bring it down next time. And we'll a little put it smaller up. than it, this. I was going to say. We'll see. We'll put it on a, on a high chair. Welcome to PTI, boys and girls. In today's episode, the Warriors take a hit. Des Bryant may be out. And Alabama is a 28-and-a-half-point underdog against the Buffalo Bills. But we begin today with Pittsburgh's thunderous 52-21 victory over Carolina last night, in which the Steelers had seven different players score a touchdown and got two touchdowns in a span of 24 seconds twice. That's right. After the game, Steelers coach Mike Tomlin said, quote, we're probably not that good, unquote. Frank, do you agree? Was he at the game? <laughs> the, to me, that's like a bit of a rope-a-dope from Mike Tomlin. He knows that right now his team is just as good as New England and Kansas City, even though they did lose to Kansas City at home. They have the dynamic offense, but this is all about the defense. The steel curve. Remember those days way back when? Five-game winning streak, they've held their opponent to 21 or fewer points. So they're winning. right now, to me, their defense is terrific. And how about the performance of Ben Roethlisberger? Roethlisberger was great. This is, this is the second time this week that I watched something on television that I thought was amazing that maybe I had never seen before. The first was Duke, Kentucky. Yeah. And I would say again about Duke and Kentucky, Kentucky scored 84 and lost by 34. Yeah. And this was Kentucky. Okay. And this last night, if you take away the bookend touchdowns, which are the first and the last touchdowns, which Carolina got both, Pittsburgh went 52 to seven right Dominated. in the middle of the game. 50, I, I don't know that I've seen it, because Carolina could be a playoff team. Yes. And, and I think the analogy you're making about New England is absolutely correct. New England started out 1-2, and two, and now I believe is 7-2. and two. Yeah. And Pittsburgh started out 1-2-1 and one and is now 6-2. So Pittsburgh just doing it a week behind yeah. New England, that's yeah. all. And I, I also think, too, to me the game really changed. All right, so Carolina, first possession they score. They must be throwing. Everyone must be thinking, this is great. Yeah. We're going to have a good night. First play from scrimmage, Pittsburgh scores. And then Carolina gets the ball. What is Cam Newton doing? Cam Newton has had a very good year. Eat the ball there. I understand your the instincts six, are. The pick six. Don't take the safety. Yeah. But you, that's like something a rookie does. It was, I mean, Pittsburgh looks so good. Roethlisberger had five touchdowns and three incompletions. I mean, I that, that, that cannot happen. You cannot have more touchdown passes than incompletions. And there's a good chance they might get Le'Veon Bell back. Do you like that? I don't see why they have to have him now. I don't know what he'd does for them at, at the moment. Even I mean, though, even though Connor went out with concussion protocol. Yeah, but they they got 10 days till the next game, so he could be back. That's, that's a dynamic offensive team. Yeah. And they got a good defense yeah. now. All right, the Golden State Warriors lost Stephen Curry to a groin injury on, the, on a night that they lost their edge defensively. The Milwaukee Bucks behind Giannis and Tedekumpo scored 134 points on Thursday. That's Tony's favorite player. Yeah. That's the most the Warriors have allowed in a home game under Steve Kerr. On Friday, Kerr said that Curry who has a history of leg injuries, as everyone knows, will miss at least one game. Now, Steph's been playing at an MVP level. So, Tony, what's the biggest story here? Steph's injury or the Bucks' impressive performance? Well, well, in the greater scheme of things, 
it's Curry's injury if it keeps him out for a prolonged period of time or if it is recurrent, if it is something that dogs him all year long because of how good he is and the fact that Draymond Green has been out recently, then that is the larger story. But I also know what I said on this show. And yesterday I sat here and and I was very dismissive of Milwaukee's chances to beat Golden State. I said at best I would give them a 20% chance. So I was loud wrong on that, and I think (laughs) I have to admit that right up front. Yeah. A couple of things. Mike Boonholzer, we know that LeBron was the best free agent signing. You could make the case that Mike Boonholzer might be the second best free agent signing. He has done an incredible job there. That team scores a lot. They're second in the league, 121 points per game. Now, Steph Curry last season, here's the thing about the injury, and they play Houston on Thursday, so who even knows if we'll be back within a week. He only played 51 games last season. Kevin Durant played 68 games, yeah. and they still won the title. Now, they had trouble with Houston in the Western Conference Finals, but for the most part, they cruised. But in the playoffs, they played all the games. Yes. Because if they are healthy, they are the best team in basketball. So what you do now is you look around, you try to look through the East to see, well, who might come up and who might challenge them on some level? Milwaukee, which was not a team that I think most of us put in there before the season started, now looks like it might be one of those teams. You said that they're scoring second in in the league. They were 15th last year. And Budenholzer, he's got the same team that was a seventh-place team last year, and they are playing that well now. And now Jan is playing like an MVP, but I'll give you this. So Eric Bledsoe, Malcolm Brogdon, outscore Clay Thompson, Steph Curry. 46 to 34. You but you would not that. take action on the fact that that would happen on a regular basis no. in a seven-game series. No. There's no chance you would no. do that. We move now to the continuing saga of the rehabilitating oh, unicorn, Kristaps Porzingis. When last we left him, his coach David Fisdale was saying Porzingis was into the light running phase of his <laughs> rehab, but not sprinting yet. In response, Porzingis took to Instagram and posted pictures of himself appearing to be sprinting. Frank, this team is your account. What do you read into these sprinting pictures? Are you accusing him of posing, or is he sprinting? Well, I'm saying that that's just a still shot. You don't. He could be. He could be. <laughs> that's posing. a good pose. Yeah, he could no, be. No, this, this is what this is. The Knicks' relationship with Przingis has never been great. Go back a few years ago when he blew up the exit meeting with Phil Jackson. Sure. And I like Przingis. You got when your boss tells you to show you up show for a meeting, up. you got to show up. Right. So David Fisdale says that he's only doing light running, and I think this is Christoph Porzingis. He's worried about his image, and he's saying, well, hang on a second. If you're going to put that out there, it's going to make people think, like, I'm not doing everything I can to get back. This is what I love about David Fisdale. He said, what it's done, it gives off the perception. This is the reason why Porzingis posted those photos. It's the perception he's not working hard. He took it personally. It got to him that people would think that. David, you're the one yeah. that said it. It seems to be in response to you, not to so-called people. Yeah, I mean, I, why do I get the sense that Fisdale is a two-year coach? And why do I get Whoa. the sense that it can be overwhelming to yeah, be yeah. in New York, as we've seen recently? I would love to fall in love with Porzingis. But every time I tune in their games, he's not playing. Yes. Over the three years of his career, he has progressively gone down in games played. Right. He played 48 last year. He has not posted this year. So th- there's a vanishing aspect to him that almost makes him legendary if he never plays again. But, I mean, you, you, you're there with that team. How good? How good? Hey, when he's out there, he's good. He was an all-star. And you bring up a great point about the games not played. He's already missed 72 games for his career. Ten more, that's the equivalent of a full season. He's going to miss a lot of games. Ten more games. Yeah. But remember this, too. It's not like the Knicks were in a rush to get him back, because what are the Knicks thinking about? They have their own first-round pick. They have cap space. Yeah. So maybe I'll give you a little New York story. How about Zion Williamson, Kevin Everybody's th- Yeah, Everybody wants to think about that. But at you the should. moment, they're terrible. At, at the moment, they're terrible. The problem is there are other teams that are actually worse, which is an issue. Mm. So you know, might not get that one, two, or three pick. All right, Rams cornerback. 
Marcus Peters wants another shot at the New Orleans Saints because he has a score to settle with Saints coach Sean Payton. Peters isn't happy that Payton said the Saints got the matchup they wanted when Drew Brees threw the 72-yard touchdown pass to Michael Thomas. On Thursday, Peters had this to say about Payton. Tell Sean Payton, keep talking that we going to see him soon. You feel me? Fair enough. Yeah, because I like what he was saying on the sidelines, too. So tell him, keep talking that and I hope you see me soon. You feel me? And then we're going to have a good little, nice little bowl of gumbo together. Very lovely. Just lovely. All right. Okay, Tony, was Peyton or Peters out of line, and who do you take if they meet in the playoffs? Can we run that back again <laughs> where Michael Thomas has about 25 yards yeah. of separation? Sean Payton said we like the matchup. He should like the matchup. All right? At the moment, Michael Thomas is great this season, and Peters is a stooge this season. Pro Football Focus ranks Peters 115th out of 120 cornerbacks a season. So who's behind him? Mel Blunt, because he's 70, and me. Okay, that's who's behind him right now. Now, he's doing exactly what he should do. He's being chesty. He's being arrogant. But the difference between him and Sean Payton is that Peters has to go on the field and yes. perform. Sean Payton not have to. I, I was surprised he said it, because yeah. you want to. If, if you like the matchup, you don't want to let anybody know you like the matchup. But it's, it's on Peters. It's not on Peters. I love the Mel Blunt reference. How good of a player was he? Great player. And a, and a tough guy. If you're Marcus Peters, why are you allowing the coach of the other team to get into your head? Yeah. You have other things to worry about, in, especially trying to guard receivers and defend them and not allow them to get 72-yard touchdown passes. He's losing the mind games here. When he comes out and he's that angry about it, how bad does he look? Well, he's, if you're Sean Payton, you're thinking, I got him. He's been... He's been awful this year yeah. at the moment. I mean, that's that's undeniable. How good is Thomas been? Thomas has been great. The, really good. I hope he enjoys the gumbo. <laughs> now that gambling is legal, you can get action on just about anything, even hypothetical games. Westgate, a sportsbook in Las Vegas, has the Buffalo Bills as a hypothetical 28-and-a-half-point favorite over Alabama. Yes, that Alabama, the college team. <laughs> Frank, which team would you take? All right, of course I'm going to take Buffalo. Remember, they did go on the road, and they did beat Minnesota. I want you, because I know you like to travel now, I want you to go up to Buffalo and go in the locker room and find the biggest players in there, and you ask them that, about being, you know, how would you do against Alabama? I would love to see the reaction the players give you. I don't think that the worst professional team, even the Cleveland Browns of two years yes. ago, would lose to the best college team ever. I don't think that. I think normally this would be a 40-point game. I would point out two things. Buffalo has not scored even 28 Amazing. this year. So if they're a 28 and a half point favorite, they haven't even they can't cover with anything they've done so far. And if they win by about 40 or get about 45 points, which I think is is reasonable, if Tua gets lucky, if he throws <laughs> two touchdown well, he passes, he would do that. If you if he throws two, because in Alabama, 10 to 12 guys a year go right yes. into the NFL. You're not playing against but That's not 53 guys. I know, right I understand. So I'm saying the number becomes enticing at that point. The 28 and a half. Remember we heard enticing. this a few years back it was can Kentucky beat Philadelphia, the 76ers when they were No. Back. No. Now, and Vegas has come out saying that the Cavs would be a 22 point favorite over Duke if they play. Here's the interesting thing. If I'm Buffalo, I want Tua if I'm the Cleveland Cavaliers, <laughs> yeah. I want Zion Williamson. Right. So I might That's actually right. get together. This way I could work the guys out a little bit. Let's take a break. Coming up, does the injury to Ian Book put Notre Dame in peril against Florida State? We're going to ask David Pollack. We'll also ask him whether Alabama could run into any trouble against number 16, Mississippi State. I'll give you my answer. No. I don't think they will. 
And I don't think that Buffalo could lose at all, ever, how would, to a college team. How would the Warriors do against Pardon Alabama? the interruption is brought to you by Walmart. Light up Christmas at Walmart. How do you judge someone? Not by what they say, by what they do. We're a nation of doers. What's Mike Bloomberg about? Doing things. A middle-class kid worked his way through college. An entrepreneur, Bloomberg built a global news and information business from scratch. Mayor of a diverse, progressive city, Mike Bloomberg rebuilt after 9-11, creating nearly 500,000 jobs, improving health care and public schools. Now he's running for president, and Mike's the change we need. From chaos to steady leadership, from lies to someone who believes in facts and data, from divisiveness to someone who builds teams, nurtures good ideas, and holds himself accountable for results. Mike Bloomberg knows how to lead, to build, to deliver, to do. He'll win and unite this country. Mike will get things done. I'm Mike Bloomberg, candidate for president, and I approve this message because we need to deliver on the promise of the American dream. Paid for by Mike Bloomberg 2020. We're on the brink of another big college football weekend, so it's a perfect time to bring in our good friend from College Game Day, Mr. David Pollack, in Boston, rocking the the coat because it's in the 30s there. <laughs> a, a tough guy, a tough guy yeah. would be out there in shirt sleeves, but not Pollock anymore. <laughs> let's let's start with this. Notre Dame will be without Ian Book at quarterback. How do you expect that to affect the Irish against Florida State? Well, how ironic is it, or not ironic, but we're, you know what we're saying this week? It's funny. Ian Book is, is out this week. Brandon Winbush is playing. But it's okay because they're playing Florida State. Yeah. In what world is that normal? That's yeah. t- he needs to be back next week, Tony, for Syracuse. We need him for Syracuse. What? Oh, uh, that is, that's just strange to think about. But listen, Brandon Wimbush started game one against Michigan. He beat the Wolverines. And, and listen, he's a different quarterback. He runs. He can run like a tailback. I think you'll see a lot more quarterback design runs, less throwing. Notre Dame still has a great defense. I feel very confident in Notre Dame winning. But obviously, I don't think the offense will be as sexy as it's been with Ian Book at quarterback. I know you're a tough guy, David. I, I, I've seen you play before. All right, number 16, <laughs> Mississippi State. Their defensive game plan against Tua and Alabama is not to let the ball go over their heads. So do you think the Bulldogs' defense has any chance against Alabama's offense? Uh, no, I, I don't. Uh, <laughs> right. I think they're great. And, and you want to talk about a great front four. They got it. They got depth on defense. They rotate through a bunch of guys. And um, listen, we could go down the list of how good they are. But the bottom line is Alabama's offense is a pick-your-poison deal. And you saw it last week. They ran the ball really effectively. Damian Harris, by the way, finally got over 12 touches in a ball game because it was necessary. And Alabama's going to make you pick your poison. I'm not worried about their run defense. I'm worried about their pass defense. Tua continues to pass on time, in rhythm, does such a good job with his eyes manipulating him. So I think Mississippi State will slow them down. The better question is Mississippi State's offense. You talk about a one-dimensional offense, they can't throw the football. They're not going to line up and pound Alabama, so they better get some passing game themselves if they want to win the ballgame. You're in Boston for number two Clemson and number 17 Boston College. This is a pet peeve of mine, I guess. We talk so much about Alabama. Clemson has gone essentially unnoticed. They put 77 points up, and it didn't matter because everybody talks about Alabama. BC is, is ranked. BC, I guess, is pretty good. What chance do you give BC of upsetting a, a Clemson team that may be great? 
Well, how about Dabo a couple weeks ago that wanted to, to, to help this argument out, Tony, and help us, cons- what you just said, help the rest of us? He said on our ranking show, it's pretty much Alabama and ROI, the rest of y'all. Because everybody else, that's all everybody talks about. Everybody just talks about Alabama. I think it's clear separation with Alabama and everybody else. Clemson's in this debate, not just this year, guys. They've played Alabama the last three years. They beat Alabama in the national championship game two years ago. I mean, they've had great barn burners with Alabama. They're used to it. They're accustomed to it. Listen, here's the one advantage for Clem- for Boston College. They're not better than Clemson. They just have to be better than Clemson tomorrow night. Right now, it's 37 degrees. The wind's blowing really heavy. That affects teams from the South. Trust me, I played in the South. When I went to the Cincinnati Bengals, I was like, oh my God, what is this? So <laughs> if it could be cold, it could be, if it could be a little bit rainy, something like that to take away the passing dimension of Clemson that's been so explosive the last four weeks, it evens the playing field. But the, it, there's not a great shot, but they need Mother Nature to help them out if they want to win this game. All right, David, Georgia at number five, just outside the playoff. They're going to host number 24, Alabama. The two teams split their game. Auburn, Auburn, not Alabama. Auburn, Auburn, Auburn. number 24, Auburn. How do you see this one playing out on Saturday? Georgia looking to play themselves in, but they got to beat Auburn. Georgia is starting to look like Georgia of last year now. They're running the ball no matter who it is. They don't care. They're being more physical, relying less on on the passing game, and I think it's serving them well. Um, defensively, a lot of new faces, man. They're starting to play, you know, 20 guys along that defense, rotating in and out. They're starting to come into their own. I really, really trust Georgia in this spot at home. If you've watched Auburn's offense, you've seen it's bad. I mean, it is, it's the worst Auburn offense that I can remember in a long time. And that's saying something because there have been a couple over the past, you know, about, if you go back years and years, that have been pretty bad. I mean, they, they can't throw the football really well. They don't run it really well. There are no huddles, not what it used to be. So I trust Georgia in this spot. And, and then we get down the road, by the way, to the most fun thing that could happen that I want to happen in college football. I want Georgia to beat Alabama on championship weekend. And now we got a complete mess on our hands. <laughs> Undefeated Clemson, undefeated Notre Dame, one loss Michigan, one loss uh, Alabama, one loss Georgia. Let's get weird. (laughs) What a ringing endorsement for that Auburn offense. I know they're very (laughs) happy about that. We'll get you out of here on something hypothetical. Westgate has the Buffalo Bills of the NFL, a 28 and a half point (laughs) hypothetical favorite over Alabama, not of the NFL, Alabama of college. Do you agree with that? I take the point. <laughs> I mean, I've seen, I've seen enough of Buffalo. And listen, I, I know that. Listen, in no world can a college team beat the beat the NFL because I remember being in college, Tony, and you played. Um, you know, a couple guys that were pros that they really had their technique dialed in. You were like, wow, I got, I got to do something a little different. Now, when you get to the pros, everybody's at that level and they're already to that point. So it's, they could not beat them. But God, can we do this after the season? Can we set up a game where we pay these players? Alabama versus the Bills after Alabama's you know championship run and they're done versus the Buffalo Bills because they won't even be in the playoffs and then let them play a game. That would be awesome to see. Thank you so much, David. It's always a pleasure. Thank you. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks, David. College game day from Boston College begins tomorrow at 9 a.m. Eastern on ESPN. Let's take one last break, but still to come, another tough night for your boy Carmelo and the Rockets. Always picking on Carmelo and some potentially devastating injury news for Des Bryant and the Saints. You know, they they did pretty well without Des Bryant. I mean, the, don't think they need him? Uh, well, it's not that I don't think they need him, but there's, there's some karma about trying to acquire a little bit too much. He wanted to play against Dallas in two weeks. 
Happy time, people. Happy 83rd birthday, Bob Gibson. Simply one of the greatest pitchers of all time. Gibson won 20 or more games five times for the Cardinals. But in 1968, he was 22-9 and nine with an unbelievable ERA of 1.12. How could he have lost nine games? Could you imagine <laughs> if Gibson and Koufax had been on the same team and on one day you had to face the right-handed Gibson and on the next day the left-handed Koufax? All of your everyday players would have called in sick. What do you think he thought about Dave Roberts taking Rich Hill out of a World Series game with a one-hitter and a one-nothing lead? <clears throat> Not he much. must have been thrilled. <laughs> Not much would be the <laughs> correct answer. Excuse me. Happy anniversary, Dr. J and Larry Bird. On this day, 34 years ago, the two legends brawled during a game. The backstory is that Young Bird was in the process of outscoring Julius Irving 42 to 6. And on one trip down the court, Bird allegedly said, 42 to 6, Doc, 42 to 6. I covered Julius Irving more than 40 years ago. I can't imagine him being <laughs> outscored 42 to 6. In the same way, I can't imagine Larry Bird being outscored 42 to 6. Julius Bird and Rick Barry were the most electrifying forwards I ever saw. Uh, I'll tell you what, they're pretty good. I like New York net players. Rick Barry, Dr. J. By the way, neither Dr. J or Larry Bird were suspended for that fight. Shouldn't Today, that'd be five games. Yes. Happy Easy. trails, Des Bryant. The newly acquired wide receiver was helped off the field today with an apparent ankle injury. The NFL Network was the first to report that the Saints fear it is a torn Achilles tendon. Wow. Bryant signed a one-year deal with the Saints on Wednesday, practiced for the first time Thursday, and then suffered this injury today. No, no matter how you feel about him, I mean, come on. That's brutal for that to happen. He was looking forward to Awful. playing. Remember when Andrew Bogut signed with Cleveland? 58 seconds into his debut, Done. broke his leg. Out. Back Done. to Australia. Out. Mate. Let's go to the big finish quickly. Buster Olney says the Cubs are open to trading former MVP Chris Bryant. Are you surprised? You know, Theo Epstein says nobody's untouchable. They're not trading Chris Bryant. I don't buy it. All right, college football tonight. Louisville at number 13, Syracuse. You smelling upset? No, I mean, it's a trap game because Syracuse is looking forward to Notre Dame. But Louisville's given up 133 points in their last two games. Your boy Carmelo <laughs> had just two points in his return to OKC last night. Defend him. You know, they only scored 80 points. He's not the star of the team, by the way. The only points that he got didn't even go in the basket. No, it was gold goal tank. Gold tank. All right, Odell Beckham Jr. says his goal for the second half of the season is to win eight straight and make the playoffs. Is that doable? Try to do it one at a time. Try to beat the Niners and they keep going. At Eagles is going to be very tough. It's theoretically doable. Practically, it wouldn't be. Last one, Gordon Hayward makes his return to Utah tonight. Is he going to get booed? No, I think he's going to get booed. Remember he wrote the thing for the Players' Tribune? He didn't thank anybody in Utah. He talked about missing the uh, subway. We're out of time. Try and do better the next time. And I'm Tony Kornheiser. And I'm Frank Isola. Have a great weekend, everyone. You can get the PPI podcast on the ESPN app or Apple Podcasts. Susie Whaley, shout out. Just named the president of the PGA of America. That's a shout out. Good night, Cannon.